Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's CMIO Roundtable Discussion. In this segment, the panelists talk about the delicate balance CMIOs must walk in bridging the gap between IT and clinical, why it's critical to understand the microcultures that exist within organizations and empower leaders to be change agents, and how the CMIO role has evolved from CPOE adoption leader to true clinician leader. HealthSystemCIO.com podcasts are sponsored by Improvada, the healthcare IT security company ranked number one by class for secure messaging and single sign-on. For more information, visit their website at Improvada.com. As far as that shift from implementation training to really looking at, at optimization, so is that, that's something that, that you're pretty heavily involved with it as well at this point? Yes. I mean, we're, we're having discussions now to say how we change the actual organization reporting lines and, and direct mm -hmm. report responsibilities to optimize for enhancing the system as opposed to the implementation. And we haven't got an answer yet, <laughs> so right. I wish I could say more there. But, yeah, that's a very active conversation uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, there are lots of questions about how much we contract for Cerner resources to do things versus what can we do with, with a rel relatively large group of, of smart, good developers that have, you know, produced our legacy systems in the past right. and they actually get a lot of fulfillment out of knowing that they're building software that helps people get better uh, and how do we keep their jobs interesting and, and so that they've they feel like the work that they're doing is worthwhile. And quite honestly, the, the people that we have, the bright people that we have, are not interested in just simply fiddling with the configuration switches within Cerner. Right. Uh, they're going to go somewhere else if they can't find you know, more engaging work than that. And so that's, that's a challenge for us. Yeah, sure. Not just simply flipping a switch into, okay, here's, here's what everyone's going to be focused on now, and, and it's going to fit all your skill sets perfectly. Now, Brian, you touched a little bit on some of your focus at Rush um, just in, in terms of, uh, you know, looking at that transition to, to value-based care and just wanted to talk a little bit about more about what you're doing there. And I, I know that we've spoken a lot with Shafiq Rob and, and some of the, the work that, that Rush is doing in terms of population health. So is this something that, that you're involved in as well? And can you talk a little bit, bit about that? Uh, yeah, a little Kind of deeply, but uh, <laughs> one of the things that we've done over the last several years since I uh, arrived here was really beef up both our analytics and EMR capabilities in the population health uh, uh, realm, and so really looking at, at getting our, our registries and reporting functionality up and running uh, and taking advantage. We're an Epic shop as well, and, and Epic has a nice uh, suite of applications that they've kind of pulled together under the umbrella of uh, Healthy Planet. They always have cute names for all their mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but um, really uh, beefing up our team, and, um, taking full advantage of uh, the uh, EPIC uh, population health tools that EPIC provides. Uh, and then matching that with, uh, we have a clinically integrated network, uh, Rush Health, and they're heavily involved in designing care teams and uh, care management um, uh, also focused around uh, population health. And so uh, matching our analytics and our EMR tools to the workflows uh, that are needed by those uh, care teams and uh, uh, care managers and really trying to optimize the system as a whole. 
which can be challenging because just like uh, there are challenges with Cerner, there are challenges with Epic. And the software is designed for a, a host of organizations and so may not fit uh, perfect and so therefore doesn't fit perfectly with any organization. Uh, and so you have to take advantage of the things that, that do work and uh, figure out how you can uh, configure things that, that don't quite work for your organization and work both with your EMR vendor and with your analyst teams to take uh, as much advantage of the, of the tools as possible and then uh, reconfiguring where you need to. So it's a lot of uh, balancing act. Uh, you know, and this all circles back to the, the physician burnout piece. You know, the, some of the work we're doing with uh, care team management is really taking that team approach to care of a patient and taking a, a lot of the uh, as much administrative burden off of our providers as possible and getting them back to talking with their patients and caring for their patients and not uh, caring for the EMR <laughs> and, and caring for those billing pieces, which is it's a challenge uh, because more and more, as George pointed out, more and more documents requirements come out there from CMS, from Joint Commission, from all of our payers uh, in order to show that we're doing the work that we're doing and that we deserve to get paid. Um, and those burdens uh, tend to fall on the providers unless we can figure out creative ways to work on care team documentation and care team management uh, to take some of that documentation burden off of our providers. So it, it all comes together. <laughs> yeah. This is George. I was just going to add to what, what Brian just said, that the shift in value and the creation of accountable care organizations and a governance structure around accountable care organizations also create more decision support, more documentation requirements as the ACOs seek to demonstrate value that they can then show uh, third-party payers or, third, or, or direct um, to employers. Um, so they're, they're seeking to also create uh, additional documentation and additional uh, analytics and data that they can use, often that too comes back to the providers to create new documentation. So it, it can add to the challenge and, and, and part of the, the transition and talk to CMIOs who have completed an implementation and find themselves out of a job uh, because the organization failed to understand that now the real heavy work is just starting rather than being completed um, and finding ways to demonstrate value while not putting ridiculous burdens on, on your physicians in order to do it is much more challenging than just getting them to use an EMR. Implementation is just the beginning. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And so, so do you find that that kind of one of those old cliches, but that, that bridge between, you know, IT and clinicals is something that, that really is still a, uh, a significant part of the CMIO role, especially when it comes to matching tools to workflows and things like that? It is the work. That is the job, is, is understanding both sides of the equation and being able to, to find ways that understand the workflow and, and find ways to optimize that workflow. Right. Yeah. And I would say that it's not only the technical aspects of solving that problem of, say, workflow integration, but as well as being a change agent and helping the providers adapt to change. And we know that it isn't just about flipping a switch, but really about understanding uh, the role of the clinician and what drives our clinicians to happiness, professional fulfillment, um, and being able to make those linkages between the clicks that really are necessary, that are value-added, um, that only the clinician can do, uh, that drive value for their patients that um, are, are so important. And so that sort of adapting to change piece, um, which is less of a technical skill and more of a leadership skill, 
I think it's so important for those CMIOs that have already done an implementation and have been you know, in the weeds of those technical changes. Um, but now, how do we leverage our clinical background, our background as leaders, uh, to help our clinicians transition to this new era? Yeah, it, the job is 90% communication and 10% technical, not the other way around. Yeah, agreed. agreed. <laughs> and if you're, you know, of course, you're, you're all dealing with different organizations and you have different experiences, but I would imagine that there's no one-size-fits-all way to do that as far as helping to uh, ease that, the change and that burden for clinicians. I guess it's, it's a matter of really just getting to know your team and what, what's the best way to really reach them. You know, culture is everything. And so if, if you do come in and try to apply a, a one-size-fits-all one solution, uh, you know, you're going to fail. You, you have to understand your, your organization's culture, both from a, a provider standpoint and also from a leadership standpoint, and also your, uh, the culture within your IT shop. Oftentimes, those three cultures uh, don't align, and some of your work is doing a bit of a, a dance uh, to uh, get as much alignment as possible so that your uh, IT culture, your leadership culture in the organization, and your physician culture can come to better alignment, and it, and it can be very, very challenging. But you have to understand that there's, that there's not just one organizational culture. There's microcultures within your organization, and you have to uh, understand those and approach those uh, with that knowledge. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're destined to fail. Right. Yeah, and to build upon that would be recognizing that it's not just about the CMIO I'm very fortunate where I have a pretty big team of physician informatics officers and uh, assistant CMIOs who are, understand those microcultures. Yes. And so part of my job is to empower my team um, to provide these sort of leadership skills to my team so that they can help be those change agents within their microcultures um, and that they're able to speak the language of IT and um, organizational behavior, but as well as their, their individual cultures that they're coming from, whether it's surgery or primary care. I mean, it spans a whole of our, all the specialties as much as possible are within those, my team. Yeah, it sounds like you and I have a similar approach. I mean, I've got uh, uh, six associate CMIOs, a hospitalist, a uh, anesthesiologist, a surgeon, uh, an emergency physician, uh, primary care physician, and pediatrician, and they all help me with those microcultures, if you will, uh, because um, uh, each of those areas uses the EMR differently. They have different needs, uh, and there's no way a single person can understand that. And so uh, having that team assist me with those things uh, is absolutely critical. And so I'm, I'm blessed that I at least have that uh, uh, support from the organization to have those providers uh, in those various areas helping with, uh, with the work that we're doing. Now, um, one of the other uh, things I wanted to look at, too, was, was how this role, CMIO role, has evolved. And what we've seen a lot with our, uh, with our audience is a lot of talk about how the CIO role has changed. And, um, you know, with a lot of this coming in the past five or ten years. And, Stan, I don't know if you wanted to, to comment on what do you think is the most significant um, change you've seen in, in the CMIO role, just in, in general. Oh, um I'm not sure how to answer that. I can, I can take a shot at it. Yeah, yeah. Help me uh, out. You know, so so I've been in three different organizations in a in a CMIO or, or medical director of informatics role. My first role back in '99 through uh, 2002 uh, at Fairview uh, was really about 
building out CPOE and getting doctors to use CPOE. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the extent of my role. It really, uh, that was it. And as I took on a new CMIO role at a new organization um, and with new challenges, it became much broader. And then at that point, I, so I was really just kind of a, a physician consultant to IS kind of, uh, and really the person out there uh, trying to get doctors to uh, uh, use CPOE, if you will and doing that change management work. Then it really became, uh, my new organization, I had the whole EHR team reporting up through me and it became more of a a global role and really rather than a a chief medical informatics officer, it was really chief health informatics officer because not only was I just dealing with physician workflows and physician issues with the EMR, it was nurses, it was pharmacists and on down the line, uh, really the entire healthcare team. And so my role became much more global, which was actually good because you understand how all of those workflows need to uh, work together within this um, uh, menu that is the the EHR. Uh, And now looking at expanding even further to population health, really not just seeing the EMR in the hospital or the EMR uh, in the the clinics, it's really uh, how does the EMR look across the entire continuum of care, including the home. And so the role has expanded as the needs of organizations have uh, have expanded, and uh, you know, really now, my scope is across the entire continuum of care, from home uh, to clinic to hospital to to SNF to home health, and back to home. And and so the role has really uh, expanded uh, exponentially over the over the last ten to fifteen years. Thank you for listening to this podcast from HealthSystemCIO.com. To hear other podcasts. Visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.